All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Can you see it? Did you The puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. It arms You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes beat reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go.
Hello Canucks fans and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation brought to you by the great folks over at Montana's. Montana's is bringing back the viewing party. My co-host and I head out to the Tawasin Mills location of Montana's Barbecue and Bar. Check out their comfort menu. We ordered the mac and cheese. We had some spin dip. It was a good time. So be sure to go check out Montana's seven locations across British Columbia. We're getting right to it today. My name is Dave Quadrelli. I'm joined, as always, by the man who built the place, Chris Faber. And uh, Chris, do you want to uh, address why we're doing this remotely today? No, you can do it. <laughs> my my co-host, as has become tradition on some days, uh, you've seen it on Halford and Bruff. You've seen it on this show a few times. For all the crap I used to get about being late to your place to do the actual show, You've been sleeping in, man, and it has been unbelievable. I was texting, and, and we'll get to the poll question later. There's a couple poll questions today. But I was texting with your fiancé about it, and neither of us could really believe that you were still sleeping at 11.30 in the morning. Um, she told me that you had an 8.15 alarm set. So what do you have to say for yourself here? Well, that 8.15 alarm was absolutely useless. It definitely went off, and I just... I don't know. I, I turned it off and I and I just went back to sleep for a little bit because I was like, I think I set. No, I was looking at my phone and I was setting timers. I was setting like uh, 15 minute timers for like, ah, oh, just another 15 minutes. Yeah, that was that was ridiculous. But I was up late. I was up to like 330 last night. Luckily, I prepped the entire show. Didn't do any graphics, but at least like the outline was done. Uh, at some point last night, I got I'll be I'll you know what? I'll just be honest. I was watching Elias Pettersson like uh, the new Pedersen, because I wanted to get all these clips for him. I probably watched like six games of Elias Pedersen last night on top of while watching two episodes of Milf Manor. And I got caught up on but that as well as Elias Pedersen highlights. So I then I look up and like my microwave clock is the only one that you can see in the living room. And I see that it's like 338. And I was like, oh, no, I was like, I have made a horrible mistake. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what happened last night. And then I, somehow that's the weird thing is normally I sleep for like six hours, sometimes seven on a good night. I slept for eight hours straight last night, aside from waking up at like eight o'clock there to turn my alarm off. Like I got actually an eight hour like night of sleep, which I think is what you're supposed to get, right? Like eight hours. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, normal. Yep. so that's what I got last night. And now I feel horrible because I feel so tired still <laughs> from like oversleeping and actually getting an eight hour sleep. I feel horrendous. I just tried to do the our Betway videos uh, and recorded that. I look like a raccoon. So I think my eyes have gotten a little bit better up to this point, but I I hate sleeping for eight hours because now I just feel bad for the rest of the day. Yeah, people are giving it to me well, in the chat Well, I mean, here, that'll I happen. Yes, people in the chat are giving you a hard time, and I would say rightfully so. Uh, we've got some listeners from Austria. Uh, shout out Maxwell for tuning in, uh, Austrian listener, joining us on the show today. Chris, where do you want to start? I'll, I'll let you kind of drive the bus here because well, you've done so much prep yeah, than I, you did last night. I, I felt like I did such a good job of, of like getting some ideas to talk about on the show. I wanted to get this right out off the top. Like I, I wrote it as the on the ticker there. I know Alex loves that thing. He's mad at me today for, for being late. No graphics. He's Well, he's mad at you, too, for the graphics. He was... Yeah, Alex is having a busy day today on Thursday, and he's jealous that you're off tomorrow. Anyways, close to being fun. Uh, I've heard of these quads graphics. I haven't seen any quads graphics. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) I don't know. Quads has got his graphics on the uh, socials there, but I haven't seen one graphic on the show. That's for for damn sure. We'll see if that ever comes. Uh, But watching last night's game, quads yesterday for the first time 
when I was watching the Rangers game. Oh, yeah, on top of that, I watched the Rangers. I watched this game twice last night. So I watched it late last. I watched, yeah, I slept in until 1130, but I was doing a lot of work until 330 in the morning last night. So don't uh, give me that crap. You just didn't want to make the, the SkyTrain trip over here. Probably that's probably the problem. It's not me. Never is me the problem. Uh, but close to being fun is what I wrote because it felt like last night. This is the first time I can say this, I think, all season long. And, and listen, I'm not, I haven't been rooting for wins at this point. I would like to see them get the best opportunity of, you know, being in the lottery for Connor Bedard. But last night was like the first time where the Canucks lost. And I said, okay, the Canucks can finally lose games and still be like fun to watch for Canucks fans, right? I think now that the Horvat trade's done, now that you're probably going to see some other players move on, you've seen Mikheyev get shut down. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Demko here moving forward. But last night was the first time that I felt that this team was actually fun to watch still in a loss. When for a long time this season, you've seen a lot of these losses and they just have not been fun. They've been hard to watch. There's been situations going on around the team that have made losses even worse. But last night, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, but last night was the first time that I saw a Canucks loss and was like, okay, that's fun. This is the way this team's going for the rest of the season. I would argue, and, and you know, your point stands, your point is very valid that last night was a fun game to watch, but I would argue that that game against New Jersey was even more fun. You had more shots. You had more goals. I mean, you had a 50-second collapse for the Canucks, but they made a comeback, right? Like, I think that was the time when I looked at it. And again, like, I, I, I've i been pretty open about the fact that I'm a pretty big fan of Rick Tockett so far. And one of the reasons is he's talking about accountability. He's talking about effort level. Like, you can't fault these Canucks efforts right now. Like like what they're turning in right now, you can't fault them for that. And I think that started with New Jersey because again, Chris, like I'll pose the question to you because when I was watching that game, I was thinking, oh, well, there's the collapse and now's the beginning of the end. Now the Canucks are going to skate it out. They're going to, they're just going to finish the game by the grace of God. This game will end. That, that's what's happened this season, right? Like we see the collapse, we see them blow multi-goal leads and then they just go away quietly, right? Like how often did we hear about the unacceptable, we can't turn in a 60 full 60 minute effort. Now I understand this one was 58 minutes and 20 seconds or whatever, 50, yeah, 58 minutes, whatever it was. Um, it wasn't a 60 minute effort in New Jersey, but you get the point that it was a strong effort for the Canucks. And I think that was the game that I watched where I was like, wow, okay, like this is a different attitude. I don't want to say mm. it's a different team because it's not, but it's a different attitude under Rick Tockett where they're not going down quietly. They are storming back, um, you know, and making things interesting in New Jersey. Like they took that team to overtime, right? And again, I know the Devils weren't at their best. Like that wasn't the best Devils performance. And I don't think they were very pleased that it even had to go to overtime. But again, like last night in New York, same sort of deal, right? Like same sort of deal where you can't really fault their effort. And again, like Tockett called out five guys post game. They got burned when those guys were on the ice a few times, right? And I understand that, but I, I really think it started with that game in New Jersey. But your point does stand that that game against New York last night, it kind of sets the tone for the rest of the season, does it not? It, it's It was the perfect, like, score three goals and lose game to me, right? Like, and Corey brought up a, my point that I wanted to get to right there was, like, Pod Colson scored. It was a low shot total. You got a goal from Elias Pettersson, and you got a goal from one of the wingers that you want to get going, right? Like Connor Garland, Pod Colson, and Pettersson were the guys who scored. 
that's like that's what you want to see, you know, like down the road, maybe it's Huglander in the lineup scoring a goal, or maybe it's, you know, finding what you have in Phil DiGiuseppe or, or Dakota Joshua ended up playing better. Like these are the type of players I think you want to be, you know, get them going. And, and I just thought that last night was that type of game where the young players had to step up and kind of take over because I, I think one of the biggest challenges this Canucks team has is going to be the young guys taking over this room. Like I really think that the room wasn't great in the first place. And then you lose the guy who was the best for the room. I, I really think that, that Bo Horvat, if you looked at this locker room before the trade, he was the best guy to handle that locker room. He was the captain. I think he got along with everyone. I think he was able to, you know, be funny and get along with every single player, whether it be the older vets or the young guys. And now I think it's going to be very difficult for that room to get kind of taken over, but the young guys need to be the ones who do it right. It needs to be, you know, pod Coles and winning games for you with goals or, or Pedersen scoring goals to keep you in games. Like that's, that's what you saw last night where there was a lot of positives in a loss. And it felt like earlier in the season, like think about how bad some of these losses were where we just came in here and, and you know, you're banging the table and yelling, like you're not banging the table and yelling after last night because it was like, Hey, they did a pretty good job of, you know, slowing down the the prolific offense that you have there with the Rangers. And they, they also did a decent job of having the young guys step up or the guys who need to step up and raise their value score a goal. So the, the only other way it could have been perfect, like a little bit more perfect for me is like a four five regulation loss. And, and maybe Besser scores another goal in there, like get that guy going and get him some goals so that he's a like some teams look at him and saying, okay, he's scoring goals. Now, you know, Connor Garland's starting to play a lot better hockey of late ever since Rick Tockett came in here. Maybe his value goes back up. So long-term like last night is the perfect loss in my eyes. I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. And like, there's a point in the chat here that I want to make. Corey Anderson was the one that made it. He made two good points. He said, the quads plan a four-day work week. I'm not even in tomorrow. Harmon Dial will be joining you tomorrow. Uh, brought to you by Zephyr Epic. But um, he brought up another good point here. He said, those Ranger, Ranger and Devil losses equal Canucks wins with Thatcher Demko in net. I'm not saying that the goalies are at fault for these losses. That, and I don't think that's what Corey's trying to say. But I don't think that... And again, we, we're assuming, and that's a big assumption right now, coming off an injury, that Thatcher Demko is just going to return to the form we saw last season and what we started to see him going toward this season. But again, the Thatcher Demko of old that is able to steal those wins, right? Like, those are two Canuck wins if we're seeing Thatcher Demko play at the level he did last year. And again, I think there's kind of that there's kind of that worry among Canucks fans because right now you're looking at it and you're like, damn like you know they, they they're right there like they're right there in the talks of yeah. getting a you know at least a top five pick right and obviously everybody wants Connor Bedard more than anything but they're right there and again I think there's almost that worry with Thatcher Demko returning that he's gonna mask all the problems again and give this team false hope it's it's absolutely possible right like it's absolutely possible that that happens I don't think it's the idea that I think is like, I don't see it actually playing out that way. Like, I I, I mean, I don't think Demko's going to step right in and just be what he was last year, right? I think he's... I really hope they take the extra time and really, like, what do they have to gain from rushing him back at all? And I know they've already taken some extra time, but take extra, extra, extra time. And just, like, even if you... you like, you do want to see Demko be back to form at some point this season, but it doesn't need to be two weeks from now, like it can be a month from now when he's actually playing games. And even at that point, you're probably just doing 50, 50 the rest of the season, or maybe getting Demko on a little bit of a run. If you start to see him get hot. Yeah. I, I think that, yeah, like Corey brings up a good point. Like those, those losses, when you have Demko on his, 
on his game. Those are wins last night. And I think that'll be like fine in the end. Cause it's not like the Canucks are going to lose every game. There are going to be games where the Canucks don't have five players that Rick Tockett like didn't like their game of. Like there's going to be ga- games where the Canucks play well because the problem is inconsistency so much with this with this whole group and, and adjusting to this new structure and style that you want to see Rick Tockett implement with these players. There's going to be a, an adjustment period, which I think is going to make it difficult and you're going to see a lot of losses. But I wonder what happens near the end of the year, like you mentioned, when Demko's back and healthy and this team has had you know, enough practice time and enough time actually playing in the game and learning from their new coach where things start to click. Like that's what you want to get to later in the season. And maybe they're winning games at that point. Like once they're playing a structured team, like game, they have a really good goalie back there. Who's back to form. They could be winning games at the end of the year. So like right now during this like transition period, I think you could see a lot of losses. And I think that's the best thing for the Canucks when you look at the future, because it means a higher pick. If, you know, I'm not sure if they're going to figure it out by the end of the year, but right now in this transition period, you know, pile up the L's because this is the time to do it in, you know, what somewhat uh, some people believe is like a silent tank here in Vancouver. Now, I want to go back to a point that you made earlier in the show about five minutes ago, just about the changing of the guard with the new leadership group, right? Like obviously Lewis Patterson, Quinn Hughes, get A's, the guy in there, JT Miller, right? Like, let's talk about the elephant in the room here because I believe it was last night Friedman threw out that there was talks of uh, uh, something with Carolina or something like that. It wasn't a big, like, report, but the the kind of the thing to take away from it was there might still be a trade market for JT Miller. Now, the guys on the morning show, and I know you have no idea what I'm talking about, but the guys on the morning show, Halford and Bruff today on Sportsnet 650, were kind of throwing this around of... Um, you know, well, if they trade JT, what, you know, what's the press conference going to be like? And they have to say like, we backtracked. And again, like, I'm not trying to say Halford and Bruff are wrong for saying that they're absolutely right. And again, they went on to make the point that I'm about to make, but regardless of what you can get, and I know they're going to get scrutinized if it's worse than the Heedle, Lungfist, and a first or whatever that it was from the Rangers, right? Like I understand they're going to get scrutinized. Uh, if it's worse than that, but they're not going to get that or better at this point. I don't think like, I don't think there's any chance that they're getting that if, even if for the simplest reason, extension aside, cause we just saw what Bohorvac got in the open market, but extension aside, if only for the simple reason that he's not scoring at a hundred point pace, like he was last year when you were looking at trading him. Right. So even for that simple reason, I don't think they're going to get anywhere near that return, mm-hmm. but I gotta be honest with you, Chris. Like, what's the cost that you would look at? Like, at what point do you say, ooh, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade JT Miller for that? Because I don't think, and again, like, I don't want to speak for all Canucks fans here, but first of all, I think moving JT to free up cap space and to get anything of resembling a future asset in return would be extremely well-received in this market. Like, I understand there might, I'm again, not trying to speak for everybody. I understand there might be people that don't like it or say this return isn't enough or for the simplest reason of, you know what? We could have got more last year and I'm pissed at this management group for messing up this situation. I understand people might say that, but at the stage we're at, with the circumstances that the Canucks are in right now with JT Miller and, you know, everything surrounding this situation when it comes to future cap space. And again, like, I'm not saying I I don't even I'm not even saying this because I think JT is a bad player this year or whatever or that he's even going to be bad in the first three years of this deal. Like yeah. I, I I'm I'm not trying to criticize the guy's play here when I say this. I'm more so talking about okay, well the Canucks have seemingly 
pushed back their competitive window from what they originally thought it was when they signed that contract, right? Like, again, in a vacuum, the contract's fine. Like, again, the contract is fine. JT Miller's a fine player. Um, That being said, if the Canucks are making this organizational shift in mentality where they're no longer trying to compete this year and they want to be competitive in about two years' time, so let's say that next year they're still building toward being that, you know, because there's a difference between being competitive and being a Stanley Cup contender, right? And obviously the Canucks want a banner. That's what Patrick Alvin keeps saying. So if you're making this decision now and you're saying, you know what, we were a little bit wrong, people already know you made the wrong decision in terms of you thought your team was better than it was and now you're in this disaster where the Canucks have identified themselves that they really need to have, like Rutherford said, major surgery like the Canucks have seemingly identified this themselves so I don't think them quote-unquote backtracking on a move and saying okay well we had to give up JT for I don't know let's say a second round pick and again sorry I I asked you the question then I kept talking for about three minutes but I'll, I'll pose the question again in case you've forgotten um what is the price to move JT Miller like to get in return that you would say yeah I'm not doing that trade yeah I think if you look at it like uh old school hockey trade you'd see some of the trades from Miller and be like, oh, that's not great. But I'll tell you what, if you're going off of the Canucks actually rebuilding this, I have not seen a trade proposal for JT Miller that I do not like, right? If the Canucks are getting a return for JT Miller and they're able to utilize that cap space and utilize whatever you get back in the return, I think it's, I think it's the right way for this team to actually rebuild. I mean, you want to move on from this bad money that's going to be here for a long time. And I'm not saying that like JT Miller might be worth his money on a team that's actually competitive and in the playoffs. And maybe he's playing first line wing or second line wing or third line center. If he's a third line center on your team and you're able to somehow afford, you know, his eight, his $8 million, like you're, you're probably pretty happy with what you have down the middle. If you're putting him there at three C, I just think that the way the Canucks are moving right now, it's, I don't think they want to move on from Miller. Like, I don't think that they will because they just signed Andre Kuzmenko to that deal, which kind of signaled to me that they do want to retool and they do want to be better quick. But if, like, this could be, it could be interesting because everything that we've heard from them has been, you know, about the retool, about it being like a two-year kind of fixed thing. When Jim Rutherford was asked three years, he said, oh, yeah, much, like in that time for sure, like, you know, quicker than that, I think he said. It would be interesting if that's the messaging, but what they actually end up doing is, really doing some long-term rebuilding. And I think they have like the potential to do it, right? Like moving on from Miller is huge for that because now you have all this cap space for next season. You can actually use that cap space to, I think, take on some bad money and get yourself some picks. Like they have the potential to make this into a real legit long-term rebuild. Like aside from the, you know, and that's that's if you move on from Miller and aside from the Kuzmenko deal, like you have the potential to do it. And I really think that's the best bet, but all the messaging that we've heard has been about a retool. It would like, it would be pretty awesome if they like have just been telling us that they're retooling this whole time when they're actually doing a rebuild and are aware of it. Like, you know, it's not like the general manager has to come out here and tell the exact truth every time. What if they're all on the same page? Like, I know I'm thinking a little positive here, but like, that would be awesome. It would be great if they were actually doing a rebuild. You don't have to tell the media that you're doing a rebuild and maybe it helps you in the long term. Like, I don't know. That's just the way that I'm looking at it being like a positive kind of outlook towards a rebuild. This is, this is one of the many stages of being a Canucks fan is 
Well, maybe what they're telling us is actually the opposite of it's, what they're doing. Like this the whole, many, the whole thing is like, I think like being a Canucks fan or us who cover the Canucks or somebody who's around the team so much, there's like a stage where you're like, are they doing 40 chest or is this just bad? And like, if they're doing like for a long time, it has not been 40 chess, even though some people have looked <laughs> at it that way and been like, no, this is what they're up to. Like they're thinking ahead. The Jim Benning era did not have much 40 chess. It had a lot of bad moves and the Canucks, you look at some of their things and you're like, is this 40 chess or is this not great for a rebuild? Like I would love for it to be that move where they're, they're like, and this is what I, I say this a lot. Like we just have opinions on this team. These people that are in these spots, I think are pretty smart hockey minds. They're likely a lot smarter than us. If we were in that role, right? I think a lot of people that are in that position would be smarter than us and would be better at making decisions. Than us. I do think that, but it will be kind of, difficult for this to be pulled off correctly and we've seen it happen where you hope for 40 chess and get bad moves instead so we've seen that in the past i think that's why we're kind of hurt from it in the past and those scars have not healed yet from what the canucks have done in the past so to believe that this is incredibly intelligent smart thinking that's much ahead of what we believe i i stand to be like i want to be amazed i would like to be amazed and see them commit to a rebuild i just don't know if it's going to happen because they have made a move like the Kuzmenko one. Like that was a no brainer to add a, add a, a valuable asset for your future instead of re-signing him for a two year deal. So that like, doesn't make sense to me if it is the 40 chess move of, of being in a true rebuild. So I don't know. I don't know, but this is, yeah, this is a stage for people who follow this team. I think is this 40 chess or is this bad? Uh, people are wondering what that sound was. What was, uh, that? was either yeah. Alex's cat. <laughs> or uh, Alex dropped the fart sound on favor. Again. Oh, no. But uh, I shouldn't talk because the thing I keep thinking about, and again, people are, people are wondering um, also, like we we've talked about this on the Patreon. I'm getting a puppy in March yeah. uh, and people have requested that he come on the show and I might have no choice. So we'll see. I, I might bring him on the show for a few episodes. So I shouldn't talk too much about uh, animals getting a little too close to the mic. And we'll continue this JT Miller conversation in shows. I'm sure in the coming weeks, but I want to get to our poll question, Chris, because I cooked this one up uh, right. because you were away this morning. I was, in, and, uh, I was around, I yeah. This one up. I cooked this one up in collaboration with your fiance, oh, great. Uh, which I'm very excited about. So first, let's get the first poll question up here, Alex. The first poll question, of course, all of our poll questions, both of them today, brought to you by the great folks over at Atlas Goods. Go to atlasgds.com. Use promo code CC15 for 15% off your first order of pop rinds. These are the best fresh pork rinds straight from your microwave or air fryer. Our poll question today, our main one, we'll get to the sub poll after. Actually, you know what? Let's start on the sub poll. Let's start on the sub oh, poll Alex and then we'll mad. get to the main poll. Well, I, I just thought the poll is going to have more of a conversation around it. So uh, the sub poll question today, of course, also brought to you by Atlas Goods. Should Faber have quads and his literal fiance on his favorite callers list so that they can wake him up when he sleeps in? Uh, Alex, go ahead and vote. I want to see what Alex votes with here. Yeah, because good... I know where I voted, Chris. And I was oh. a little bit surprised oh. by some of the response to this. So 
So far, 66% of voters saying yes, he should, 8% say no, 11% say just his fiance, and 15% say just quads. I was blown away that there was people voting that I should just be the only one over your fiance. I voted yes to both of us because I think, come on. I, first of all, I don't know how you don't have her, but second of all, I think I should also be on there. I'm not going to lie to you. I've changed it now so that she is one of the emergency callers. She can call, but the bu the thing with you is like, the buzzer is in a meet like at my uh, building is an emergency contact. So if you show up here and I'm asleep, if you buzz in, I'll wake up like that's that's what I know. I'm not adding you onto the emergency list. That's for damn sure, because you call me at some stupid times when I'm like in the, uh, you know, in the locker room or something. And you call me for like 30 seconds to tell me like, hey, I just made a graphic about this. and I'll be in the locker. Uh, like I can't have my phone buzzing off while I'm interviewing a player. So I'm not doing that. Uh, so yeah, you're not getting the emergency contact, but I know you, it's my fiance makes like laughs of this all the time when she like, when you text her, I think you text her normally like the same thing. Like, do you know where Chris is? And both of you know exactly where I am. You guys both know that I'm sleeping, but you still tend to ask her. She says, do you know where Chris is? Do you know what Chris is up to? You know what I'm up to quads. You know exactly where I'm at. I'm in bed and I'm sleeping broadly. There was one time I asked her and she said you weren't sleeping, you were doing something. And then she said he doesn't have his phone though, so I'll tell him. So she told you. But uh, today I texted her and I said, we need to get your fiance an alarm clock with laughing emojis. And then she said he has one and it was set for 8.15. I saw it myself. Yeah. Uh, but here we are, of course. Uh, okay, let's get to our main Hold on. The, re here. I think the response here is crazy. They say that both of you should be on. There's 66% of people. And then 14% say just you. And then only 11, my fiance. That's not the way we're rolling. I'm rolling with the, th like, the third highest option here. That's who's getting. She's on the emergency contact list. Yeah, I, you I need think an that's old. fine. Because this is going to be quads doing the door knock and waking Faber up. <laughs> yeah, he needs a long, long stick to get up here. Banging on the window. Yeah, there you go. You'll see the, the wow, stick coming. Wow, nice coming. little switch to camera three. Yeah, that's clean. You'll see the stick uh, on that camera that here, is clean. tapping away on the screen. All right, what's the okay. real poll question? Um, so the voters have spoken. Let's go to the regular poll question here. Yeah, what's uh, going on here? What is our regular poll question? I almost forgot. I, I really wanted to make the sub-poll question the main one, but then I was like, no, we need an actual poll question. Okay, so our actual poll question today, as I said, go get yourself some pop rinds. Oh, promo so code good. CC15 for 15% off. Our poll question today, which winger would you most like to see with Elias Pedersen for the remainder of the season. Anthony Beauvillier, Andre Kuzmenko, Brock Besser, and of course, I'm angry, which I used as a write-in option. Uh, nobody did a write-in. Nobody. Some 5% of voters went with I'm angry, but none of them actually wrote in a winger who they would rather see. Obviously, Connor Garland would be on that list. You could make a case for JT Miller, but I don't think you should. Uh, Alex going with Andre Kuzmenko, and that's the majority of voters. Chris, 66% say Andre Kuzmenko, 20% say Brock Besser, 9% say Anthony Bovillia, and as I mentioned, 5% say they are angry. I went with Kuzmenko here. Who are you going with? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hmm. Yeah, I think I'd go with, like, I wish I could choose two of them here. I think I'd like to go with Kuzmenko and Besser. I think I'd, I'd like to see both of those guys be Pedersen's wingers for the, what I would expect is the remainder of the season. I think that trio should be playing together for the rest of the year. I think... Whether you're moving Besser or keeping Besser, he's here for two more years after this year on his contract. So you got to figure out how to get the best out of him and stay in for a long time. I think you really got to put him in a consistent spot. It, it's it's tough to watch Brock Besser get an opportunity to play with Elias Pettersson, get one game, and then it, because it wasn't a great game, he's off that line, right? Like, I think that's got to stop. I think you got to let him run for a long time. Um, I think Kuzmenko is the easy decision here. There's been chemistry between the two players. You got Kuzmenko here for two more years. That's kind of the easy answer. But I think what I would say is you need both. Like in my eyes, Brock Besser should always be higher up in the lineup than Anthony Bavillier, right? Like, sorry, like the new guy I know you want, like, but like Canucks also at the same time, like the new guy that you get, whether it be from like a call up or a trade doesn't always need to play with Elias Patterson. Like, I don't think that that needs to be a thing that, always needs to happen for the Canucks. Like in my eyes, I think Besser should be higher up in the lineup than Bavillier for a lot of different reasons. And you know, one of them could be to pump up the value. One of them could be to maybe find the full potential of Brock Besser. I, I just think he should be above Bavillier uh, in the lineup and, and getting a, a, you know, more of a chance to play with Elias Pettersson. Okay. Um, quickly on this Kuzmenko last night, obviously, uh, called out by Rick Talk at postgame as being one of the guys. He said he was just spinning around, uh, Talk it said of Kuzmenko. And Kuzmenko, obviously, I think he recorded just over 12 minutes of ice time. You know, he was he was benched, basically. Uh, Brock Besser moving up to that line with Anthony Beauvillier and Elias Pettersson. I found this really interesting, Chris, because you just made the case for Besser. Besser last night in course percent. And uh, the stats... He- with Mike Liu, Canucks Army's analytics-based post-game report. I was reading it this morning as I was editing it, of course, and I was really interested because last night someone asked me just, hey, what did what have you thought of Beauvillier? And my eye test, at least, just watching the games, what I saw is, yeah, like, he's... His foot speed isn't great, but, like, you can see him doing good things along the walls, right? Like, I was seeing stuff like that, and I was like, okay, like, that's fine, but... Again, we say the same thing about Tanner Pearson, and you would hope that Bovillier is better than Tanner Pearson, obviously. But yeah. uh, that being said, reading into it a little more, and again, looking at the advanced stats and stuff, Bovillier was really good. He had the best ex- he had the best expected goals for of any Canuck on the team, and he was very, very good alongside Elias Pearson. And I was really surprised to hear that stat. That being said. I've also noticed that maybe Bovillier's finishing isn't the best. Like, he's been set up for some chances by Elias Pettersson that I was kind of like, you got to bury that. I think there's been at least two uh, through the first two games as a Canuck. And again, I don't have the timestamps. I don't have any clips. I'm just saying when I watch this this player, that's kind of what I've seen is I've said, like, you know, I've seen a few times where I'm like, okay, well, you know, Kuzmenko might finish that, but Bovillier's having trouble. So again, like I know Bovillier didn't pick up a lot of votes. I voted Kuzmenko because I would like to see the guy that you've signed for two years actually play with Pedersen. But I think this all goes to a bigger conversation about why we warn against loading up on wingers, right? Like why you don't corner the market on wingers and why it was probably the best idea 
to trade Kuzmenko when you could when you could have gotten a first and at least an at least a first plus, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it kind of speaks to that larger conversation. Again, I know it's one bad game and I'm not trying to overreact or anything. I'm just saying that, look, like here we are talking about Beauvillier being like, oh, he's, you know, he's playing great. He's playing alongside Elias Pettersson, right? Like everybody plays pretty well when they're alongside Elias Pettersson. And I think like what the Canucks really needed was a stopgap, right? Like while they build, and I just don't think Kuzmenko's a stopgap. I think Kuzmenko's better than a stopgap, which is why teams would want to trade for him and they wouldn't want to trade for Anthony Beauvillier, right? Like, th- I think that's what it boils down to. And it just boils down to where the Canucks are in their process. And I don't want to rehash this whole conversation again. I like Andre Kuzmenko, the player. The contract in a vacuum is absolutely fine. I just look at this, you know, and, and again, last night is just an example of it where you say like, man, like when you have Elias Pettersson, it almost doesn't really matter who your wingers are, right? Like Lane Peterson almost looked like a capable top six forward alongside Elias Pettersson for three games. And again, like that's another extreme. So it's not saying that it's either Kuzmenko or Peterson, but something in the middle, right? Like you could have had it both ways, it feels like. And again, I I don't want to rehash this whole conversation. It was just one of my observations from last night was that, yeah, like, you know, Bovillier had a great game and it happened because he was playing with Pettersson. I I also think that Bovillier... Okay, I want to I want to explain this correctly because this is something that I think Pedersen does so well, and I think really good NHL teams, like the best teams in the league, do this incredibly well. And it's getting yourself into a shooting position and then making a kind of almost fake shot pass into a backdoor tap in. Like really good teams, this happens to the Canucks all the time because they get scored on like this so often. And the only guys who are really doing it for the Canucks scoring this way is Elias Pedersen. And there was a play against the Devils where Pedersen was coming on the right wing. And it was like, so this is what, Bavillier's first game with them? So it's like, I wasn't expecting it. But Pedersen like fired a puck through the ice into the area where Bavillier was. And his stick was like up in the air, right? Because he's like going to the net and, you know, bodying someone. When you're playing with Pedersen, that stick needs to be on the ice. Like, that's the thing. And I'm not like, I'm not saying that's a bad thing on Bavillier because maybe he's not played with players who like to score that type of backdoor kind of fake shot goal with a tap in instead like he just went to the net hard with a stick up in the air ready to bang against a body and that's totally fine but I think it's going to take a little bit of adjustment period and we've seen Kuzmenko have that immediate adjustment like watch Kuzmenko go to the net his stick is on the ice every single time when he's on the ice with Elias Pettersson he goes to the net with his stick on the ice and that's so important I think if Bovillia develops that that would be great too and that's going to help him a ton with his goal scoring output so that's great but I just yeah, I get back to it, and I just think, like, you got to build a little bit of chemistry with Pedersen to really find it, unless you automatically have that mentality of, hey, I'm just going to be a tap-in guy. Then it's, like, almost like it immediately works because Pedersen just sees the ice so well and thinks it at such a high level. It's what you see from good teams consistently or what you see the Canucks get scored on consistently with is that get into a danger area, make the goalie come out, and find the backdoor tap-in with a really hard pass. And I think that's something that's going to develop. I think that's something that that Brock Besser hasn't necessarily developed with Pedersen. Even in the amount of time they've played together, it's not like that's something that Besser's been incredible at. If he can find that, like somebody's, you know, somebody out there's going to get a bunch of free, easy goals playing with Elias Pedersen if you just do that one thing correctly. Uh, and it might be Beauvillier. It might be Besser. It's going consi- to like consistently continue to be Andre Kuzmenko because he gets it. But if you can find another winger who can do that, like then you're talking about a line that's going to be pretty exciting on a lot of nights. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, let's quickly preview the game. Uh, Bull Hold on, one more, one more thing. 
because we I know we're talking about like guys playing with Elias Patterson. I, I also wrote this down last night, and I just want to get your thoughts on it. Like, to me, Luke Shen has to go back with Quinn Hughes. Like, he has to. You're going to try and trade Luke Shen for a second-round pick, maybe more. I know that I, I, like, I thought that Bear was really good last night. I thought Ethan Bear maybe was the best defenseman last night for the Vancouver Canucks. Like, I thought he was really good. I think he made one pretty bad mistake uh, that actually resulted in a goal against. But throughout the game, like, he looked... He made a lot of crisp passes, and when you're playing with Quinn Hughes as your partner, it kind of sticks out because you're like, wow, Bear's moving the puck a lot with Hughes as his partner. That makes life a lot easier on Quinn Hughes, and that's great, but I just think that like right now in the point where you're at with the trade deadline coming up here, like that final kind of three-week stretch, like play, play Luke Shen with Quinn Hughes. Like, you know, it's... There's not a lot of great tape being taken of Luke Shen right now when he's playing with Oliver ekman Larson. Like, you're not getting anybody that excited about him or if the the pairings get switched up and he's playing with Riley Stillman you're like man like this is not the time to play Luke Shen with OEL or Riley Stillman in my eyes get him with Quinn Hughes get him looking good get him pumping up his Corsi numbers get like you know give him a little bit of a highlight tape in this final three weeks here before the deadline I think it's a no-brainer to put Luke Shen back with Quinn Hughes at this point even though like I said like Bear has been really good I think the last couple games and I think he's finding that chemistry with Quinn Hughes. It's now clicking. You hate to kind of take that away, but I think big picture, you got to look at this and think like, you know, let's pump up uh, Luke Shen's value a little bit here, playing with Quinn Hughes until the deadline, or at least until you trade him. I mean, you're not going to get any pushback on that from me. I'll tell you that much. And we should also mention uh, Nation Network's very own uh, Nick Alberga was reporting yesterday that he thinks the Bruins and the Flames are emerging as the front runners. Uh, for Luke Shen. I believe Friedman also had something in his 32 thoughts column. Um, but those two guys both uh, saying that the and the boot really like Luke Shen. And you think back to Daryl Sutter's comments, obviously, uh, doesn't seem too hard to add Luke Shen. Chris Tanev uh, going down over there in Calgary. Sorry, you cut out for a second. I lost you there. Oh, well, I was talking uh, Luke Shen about uh, the trade, Calgary, yeah. Boston. Yeah, I, just, I got the gist of it, but uh, not quite all of it. But yeah, that's uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there between Luke Shen uh, and the options. I have to think that every team in the top 20 of the NHL would be interested in Luke Shen. Like, yeah, maybe there's some front runners, but if you're close to a playoff spot, you're likely interested in Luke Shen. It's probably just depending on what you want to give up for him, which is really good news for the Canucks because, you know, out of the 20 teams that might be interested or in on Shen – you got to think you're getting a second out of some of them and you might be getting more. That's kind of the, the good thing for Luke Shen's market. It's why I really think like, I don't know. I don't want to rehash the Kuzmenko thing, but like it's it's when you're trading a player with cap hits that are under a million dollars, you should be able to get a lot. And you could, because you'll have a lot of teams interested. You'll have a lot of teams bidding. You'll have a lot of teams calling with an offer and then you can pair offers. Like I just think that when your cap hits that low, man, it's, yeah, I, th I think there's going to be a lot of interest here for Shen. So I say get him with Hughes for the next little bit here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, Bo Horvat making his, uh, not return to Rogers Arena, but making his debut, I guess, against the Canucks. For the first time, Bo Horvat is going to be on the other side when the Islanders and Canucks face off tonight. Obviously, for the pod, it won't take, take too long to talk about this, but uh, I'll ask you this, Chris. Bo was asked about this pregame. Which do you think is biggest hit on him? If Luke Shen's in the line, obviously. But he, he uh, Miller or Garland is going to give him the toughest time tonight. Yeah, I think uh, 
It depends because you know what? They'll probably have like, I wonder if Horvat gets the Pedersen matchup. Like that would be uh, interesting, right? Or, or they might just kind of, yeah, like I'm not, it's not like that line's going to be, you know, crushing Horvat. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, you know, it'd be kind of fun to get Luke Shannon hidden there. But at the same time, like he just, I don't know. We'll, we'll get to our bets in a little bit here, but like, I don't, the only thing I look at tonight's game is like Horvat's 100% scoring a goal. Like it's like, I don't know how many goals he's going to score. He is 100% going to score a goal tonight as the Canucks are on the second of back to back. Horvat just had the crowd chanting his name. I know we still got the video up there from, uh, from Randy Janda on Twitter. Oh, there. Ovation oh. for Bo Horvat. His first game as an Islander. Like. What's the chant here, guys? We need to work on that. Yeah, they they maybe have worked on that at this point. We'll see whatever they do tonight with the Horvat. Uh, like if he scores, I hope that arena goes nuts for them. And this, uh, I got the Beauvillier, uh, Beau Horvat jersey up there right now. We're we got to talk to Al Murdoch see if he's going to do the Beau thing. Uh, but uh, I don't know. It, you know, I want I want Horvat to have success. I also want the Islanders to lose a ton of games over the next uh, eighteen months. So like, I don't know how I feel about tonight. Okay, my hope to answer the question, I think Elias Pettersson gets a nice reverse hit on Bullhorn tonight. I'll tell you that. I think that's the big hit that surprises everybody is Elias Pettersson. Okay, Betway, get us out of here. All right, let's get that uh, Let's get that up here, Betway. Like I said, Bullhorn back to score tonight. They've still, when I checked this, uh, when I checked this at, jeez, uh, what time would it have been? About 11.30, yeah, because that's when I woke up. Uh, but uh, when I checked this at 11.30, Bullhorn back plus 140. Uh, to score a goal, like you bet a, a ten dollar bet's going to return you twenty four. I don't know. Like I don't have a house, but I, you know, if I had one, it'd be on this bet for Bo Horvat to score. Uh, and then our second bet, uh, over six point five total goals in the game between the two teams, and Elias Pettersson to score two or more points. So I've been taking out the uh, like picking who's going to win, but I like the over six point five in a lot of Canucks games, and then just kind of going with a player with two or more points in this one. So tonight we're going with over six point five total goals in the game between the two teams. And Elias Patterson to get two or more points plus three hundred on that bet right there. A ten dollar bet's going to return you forty over on Betway. 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 Nineteen plus. Uh, if you choose to play, please play responsibly. People were pointing out I was lagging. Yeah. Uh, so me, being the tech guru I am, realized that I plugged in my Ethernet cable uh, because I was like, okay, wired connection. I won't lag at all. I didn't switch over from Wi-Fi to ethernet so i've been on wi-fi this whole time and now i just made the switch so now i won't lag uh just in time to close out the oh, show Chris, perfect but it's good prep for when the pup comes there you <laughs> go well yeah no it was good for most of the show there was some stuff later in the end and i was like i was wondering because you never know is it me is it it's a him who's who's the problem here but just like the you know prep for the show and waking up and everything it's not my it wasn't my problem i didn't uh, screw anything up today <laughs> so don't worry about that and uh yeah you're off to your weekend here i know harm i already text harm he's in tomorrow so excited for, uh, for that one uh, yeah. How many goals Bo Horvat gonna score tonight? Genuinely, like, like honest, you, not me, out of the realm of possibility. What is a hat trick? A like hat-trick. a hat trick is not out of the realm of possibility. That would be so fitting for him to get a hat trick in his first game. Like his first hat trick as an Islander. Like he would get to what thirty five goals if he scores a hat trick tonight. Wow, it's doable. Yeah, that would be wild. I I really hope that when he does score tonight, like. You know, it's it's not great for the Canucks, but like I hope that that Islanders team go like the fan base. I hope they go nuts because think about it. They're they're gonna be. I think at least kind of like the vibe that I've gotten on Anthony Bavillier 
is that like everybody, like a lot of people in that Islanders fan base really liked him. Uh, they, because I think he had some really good like moments in the playoffs for them. And he was, you know, a, a solid player that I think was very well liked in that organization from the fan base. So I think they're going to give him a nice little video tonight. They'll be excited about that. But I want to see is like when Horvat scores, like that's in New York, they got to light it up. Like let him know how excited they are about him. I think that's going to be a great moment tonight. Uh, when that happens and hey maybe you know just another i'm hopeful again for like a, a team that's that's fun to watch lose right like I, I hope they are fun to watch and they lose i think that would be something that would be great tonight and continue on with that tank uh get yourself as close to Connor Bedard as possible let's you know see another game from Vasily pod and i think he's been pretty solid since uh, coming back to the nhl scores the goal last night obviously um we'll see what he does i think you know get another good game from him Pedersen with some different line mates potentially we'll see it moved around there's a lot to uh get to but tonight's gonna be an exciting one for sure what time's puck drop tonight four o'clock or is it 4 30 4 30 4 30 pacific tonight okay good i'm excited for it i like the four o'clock games all right well we'll close it out there i'll see you folks on monday yeah. uh you know what i'm kind of kind of sad that i'm not gonna be on the show tomorrow i might join for a guest spot we'll uh, see how tomorrow no, we're goes. actually good uh, we're all right <laughs> We'll close it out there. Uh, for my co-host, Chris Faber, and our technical producer, Alex Allard, my name is David Guadrelli. Thank you so much for like, another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Yeah, wrap it up. Lock the doors. You're not coming quads. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.